This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Kevin Jacobson, CFO of LogicGate, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leaders Podcast. This is episode 645. And we think we found a, a once in a decade, you know, opportunity to take a meaningful position. We own 12% of, the, of, uh, of MGM, a meaningful position in an iconic brand. When uh, IAC got into the travel business years ago, we didn't understand the travel business. When IAC got into the uh, home services business with Angie, we didn't understand that. And when IAC got into the dating business with uh, the predecessor, or I guess the original Match.com, we didn't know anything about the dating business. But we learned. We we applied, you know, our expertise against it. So um, that's what we're looking at with MGM. Uh, it's a terrific management team, uh, and they're receptive uh, to our involvement. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak with Glenn Schiffman, CFO of IAC Interactive. There's little question many industries will long remember 2020 as a year of crisis. And nowhere is that crisis perhaps more visible than inside the casino and gaming industry. A fact that's made IAC's recent $1 billion investment in hotel and gambling giant MGM all the more headline-grabbing. We asked Glenn about IAC's latest deal-making chapter and what might be next for the digital disruptor that wields a balance sheet with $3 billion in cash. Our discussion begins after this. In a world that's always changing, one thing never does. Your need to adapt. Your need to evolve. Your need to grow. That's why we built Workday, a single finance, HR, and planning system that can change as your needs change and evolve as the world evolves. To learn how Workday is helping mid-sized organizations embrace the future with confidence, Visit us at Workday.com. Hello, we're speaking with Glenn Schiffman, CFO of IAC, the media and internet holding company with such popular brands as Angie Home Services, Vimeo, Care.com. Glenn, welcome. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you again. So I'll mention up front here, uh, Glenn, for our listeners, uh, that you shared your career journey uh, with us the last time you appeared on the show, which, of course, was episode 440 for those listeners who might have missed it. Uh, and recently, uh, you made some news at IAC, at least it was last August, I guess, uh, word of an investment in MGM. Uh, which uh, looks particularly interesting. We thought it would be a wonderful time to check in with you and understand better how IAC's uh, businesses are responding to this environment. What are their priorities? What are they doing differently? What is the bigger impact here on businesses uh, in general? 
Yeah, so for a lot of businesses, the pandemic uh, accelerated offline to online conversion. And you, you've probably uh, had a couple of podcasts with other people or heard, you know, in the in the news, you know, some people say offline to online has 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 skipped uh, many years into the future uh, where e-commerce or in our case, Vimeo, uh, the use of video is where now where we thought it would be in 2021, 22, 23, depending on, of course, the metric that you look at. So we've been a net beneficiary of that because re recall a lot of what IAC does um, is we we uh, invest against and own businesses in very large addressable markets. Uh, our businesses tend to have single digit penetration of those large addressable markets and our businesses uh, tend to uh, be positioned for or take advantage of offline to online conversion. And a lot of that's going on uh, right uh, right now. And we're uh, we're uh, benefiting uh, from uh, from that. Um, that's, of course, in our Vimeo uh, business, which is a, a SaaS-based tools provider to uh, enable uh, businesses to communicate with video uh, to their customers uh, and, uh, and to, their, uh, to their employees. And that's uh, um, really had a, a breakout moment uh, over the summer and, and through the pandemic. We also have Angie Home Services uh, that, you know, given we're also uh, spending so much time in our home, uh, we're breaking things in our home. We're realizing there's a lot of things on our to-do list at home that, that, that people actually want done versus hanging on their to-do list and staying on their to-do list. So we're benefic benefiting uh, from that. And yeah, care.com uh, as, as well. Uh, a lot of people obviously are working from home. Uh, and uh, now that the fear of, of letting someone in your house has dissipated, uh, which hurt care.com in the beginning of the pandemic, now that that fear has dissipated, people are in very significant need of, of care uh, and people to take care of their their children or their, their, their loved ones. And the concept of bringing a child or an elder uh, elderly family member to a group setting that that's obviously that's for obvious reasons faded a little bit. All right. And then there was the bit of news in, in early August that IAC was investing a billion dollars in MGM. And I believe it's the gaming uh, online gaming portion of that business. But tell us, this sounds like a big move. Uh, can you fill us in a little? Yeah, uh, and sh sure, uh, it, it's not just the online uh, uh, piece of MGM. That, of course, is exciting to us, uh, but it's the entirety MGM re resorts business, including the hotels and casino offline uh, hotels and uh, and casinos. And, and maybe it takes maybe it makes sense to take a step back and talk about IEC uh, for a second. Um, IEC has always been about um, rebirth, building, rebuilding. And this year, um, as I'm sure we'll talk about, we spun off uh, the match group, and that was a, a, a distribution to our shareholders of the 80% interest that we owned in the match group, and we effectively uh, uh, distributed 25 billion of value to our shareholders. Uh, and so 2020, which is IAC's 25th year uh, in existence, now we're a lot smaller. And our opportunity, our challenge, what's really exciting about where we are right now is we get to rebuild IAC, uh, and it's and it's it's a great new new moment. Now, of course, we have three billion of of uh, of cash on the balance sheet. We have uh, 
uh, a roster of very strong businesses, three of which we just spoke, uh, three of which we just spoke uh, about. So the question is, what do we want IEC to be, and uh, what's uh, what's uh, the next journey, uh, if you will? And we think we found a, a once in a decade, you know, opportunity to take a meaningful position. We own twelve percent of the of, uh, of MGM, a meaningful position in an iconic brand. Uh, Las Vegas, of course, is not going away. Uh, Las Vegas, that footprint uh, and the footprint that MGM has in Las Vegas is irreplaceable. Uh, and of course, the pandemic will uh, knock on wood, and we all hope will be behind us. Uh, and uh, with a with a vaccine or uh, or obviously improved uh, therapeutics uh, around it. But but once that's behind us, uh, we believe Las Vegas will will come roaring back. Uh, that's one. And then two, if you go back to uh, the way IAC likes to invest, massive addressable markets tailwinds in respect of offline to online conversion. That's what's going on, we think, in online gaming. And that's what's going on, we think, uh, in sports gaming. And uh, MGM is in, a, we think, a terrific spot uh, to, to uh, innovate there, to grow there, and to really penetrate uh, that market. And we think that gaming market is, you know, 400 billion uh, plus, or, uh, plus or minus. And that's exciting uh, to us. Now, we have a lot to learn. Um, we're not traditional uh, uh, casino investors, hotel investors, or or or, or uh, gambling investors. You know that said, when we started, when uh, IAC got into the travel business years ago, we didn't understand the travel business. When IAC got into um, the uh, home services business with Angie, we didn't understand that. Uh, and when IAC got into the dating business with uh, the predecessor, or I guess the original Match.com, uh, I think an acquisition uh, in 1999 for less than $100 million. We didn't know anything about the dating business, but we learned um, and uh, we we applied you know, our expertise against it. So um, that's what we're looking at uh, with MGM. Uh, it's a terrific management team uh, and they're receptive uh, to our involvement. So uh, th- there really is two uh parts of this which are evolutionary uh, the uh investment in mgm clearly uh, a really big move into a new space for you and uh at the same time i think you mentioned 1999 you had originally got into the uh, some of the new early dating models i imagine but you were in that business for 20 years so stepping out of it is uh is another evolutionary chapter uh do i have that right 20 years you were in that business i think that's exactly right we, you know, it, it has evolved. We've added more assets uh, to the mix. That's a little bit of our playbook as well at IAC. You know, we've never once bet, bet the company on any acquisition and we never will. Uh, and we like to invest into strength. So hopefully our first investment is not our last investment. And hopefully our first investment is... Um, uh, is uh, is is our smallest or or a, a step along the way because again we want to see uh, a proper return we want to whatever the metric is the unit economics the 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 the, the theory being pressure test and then we lean uh, we lean into it just to be clear with match.com uh, you guys are out of it you, there's no portion that of that business that is still currently owned by IAC. That is that is correct. Our shareholders own the business. That is correct. You know, Glenn, I, I've uh, looked over some past articles and, and other interviews that you've done, and it's interesting. You always have this sort of familiar framework that you had, and in the past, you've 
stated IAC allocates capital towards three pursuits, investing in our existing businesses, acquisitions, and share repurchases and dividends. I think we've already touched on all three, but I'm wondering over the last 12 months or over the next 12 months, do you, do you expect to remain faithful to those three pursuits or are you going to add to the list in some sort of investment activity that we, we're not aware of yet? No, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to stay faithful to those pursuits. Uh, we have a great opportunity to invest in each of our businesses. Uh, it, like I said before, we're, we're barely penetrating these large addressable markets in which we compete. Uh, so we're going to continue to pour capital, uh, you know, intelligently so in these businesses. And yeah, we want to add another leg to the stool. Uh, what I mean by that, we want to get into another category. We want to have another business or, or, or brand or or uh, opportunity in our roster. You know, our mantra is we buy, build, manage, and grow uh, great brands um, and great businesses, and in so doing, uh, compound capital. And along the way, if the if the stock market has a different view uh, or, of the of the valuation of our business, uh, or um, you know, the market tends to sell off. We're, we we will look to uh, uh, buy back shares and shrink our capitalization. The last time we did a major spin was 2008. And in the years post 2008, we bought, we repurchased about half of our company uh, from, uh, from, uh, from, from the market. And we're no strangers to doing, to doing, uh, to doing that. I guess the last thing I'd say in this category is, look, we, we, we think like owners, we behave like owners because we are owners of our business. Were there other uh, existing businesses, no matter how small in uh, the gaming area prior to uh, the, the investment in, with MGM? No. Uh, years ago, we had a, an investment in a predecessor in a, in a daily fantasy sports business, uh, and we couldn't make it work. Uh, we obviously shame on us, but we we got out executed um, uh, and we uh, we cut our losses. Now, your investment philosophy at IAC, you have always talked about this balance between short term success and long term growth by working closely uh, with brand executives. Uh, is that balance still as relevant in this current environment? Is that is that where you're going to be spending your time, or what would you share with us? Yeah, it's uh, and yes, that's critical. I think now, you know, post the spinoff of 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 Match, when we're really in rebuilding mode, uh, we're even thinking longer term. You know, we're 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 thinking about how to take where does I see where is I see going to be in ten years in in. And, and, and what can we do now and what are the building blocks now? So we are uh, probably thinking more longer term than we uh, than frankly we ever have uh, before. And that's really exciting. Now, of course, that does not divorce us uh, from uh, the focus on making progress against the goal. And it is absolutely not build it and it will come. That's just not business. We're not going to defy the laws of business, which the laws of business are capital needs a proper return uh, that even though you're focused on longer term objectives and longer term returns, there must be uh, checkpoints along the way. You must hold yourself and your business leaders accountable uh, against that. And those metrics could be, you know, lifetime value to CAC. Those metrics could be 
other measures of union economics. That could be, you know, penetration uh, of, uh, of a marketplace. You need tangible examples. But if you see tangible examples, that should give you more confidence, not less confidence, more confidence in the long term and more confidence in the investment uh, that we're that we're making. So you got a great memory from our last discussion uh, around this. And now we are tilting a little more long term. Well, I'm going to oversimplify, no doubt here, but the opportunity at NGM, the opportunity that NGM uh, perhaps found it an attractive time to get that that capital into the business. Uh, and likewise, um, IAC had a had a door swing open for it to uh, participate in this industry, which we know is growing and getting so large very quickly. Um, meanwhile, a spinoff opportunity was was that uh, was the spinoff already? And, and maybe spinoffs not the uh, the proper uh, characterization. Cutting loose, <laughs> um, Match.com was that always a possibility, or can, can you give us some idea how this came to be? It, it was always a possibility. We took Match public in uh, uh, December of 2015, um, and we did it for uh, a, a bunch of reasons back then, um, uh, and uh, all of them all of them good. We, th- we thought it makes sense for Match to have its uh, uh, its own currency to compensate employees to grow the business for w- with respect to acquisitions, um, and and. Uh, and uh, also to you know to highlight uh, highlight value, although to highlight value wasn't the primary uh, primary focus. The primary focus always is oh, primary focus always is what's um, what's right for the business. So the minute you take it public, the next question everyone asks is when are you going to spin off the rest the rest of it? Because we own the you know uh, the eighty odd percent uh, of it. So that's been something we we've contemplated, we've thought about uh, for uh, for a while, and it just it felt right that. In, that in 2000, you know, in 20, that was the right time. Match had gotten to the point where it was uh, more than capable of standing on its own. The stock, I think we went public at $12 a share. I think this morning the stock was 105, 106. Uh, the management team had, has, has really uh, settled in and, and has done an exceptional job. And it got to the point because Match was so big and the rest of IAC was less big that what IAC did didn't really matter. And it was all about what Match did, Match's results. And then if I even want to get more specific, you know, Tinder is a large driver of Match. So Tinder net ads, net addition of subscribers every quarter had more of an impact on IAC stock price and the narrative around IAC than anything IAC would would do. Um, And, you know, we felt that... The right thing to do was uh, to give that to our shareholders, to allow all of our focus, our energy, uh, and our capital uh, to go into building the rest of of IAC. And you know that's we've created ten public companies, uh, eight of which are, are are spun out. And we find when you spin out these businesses, you sharpen your focus uh, on the rest of of the portfolio. Everything in the rest of the portfolio matters, uh, and you have to really double down your uh, your 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 energies on uh, on that. And it's 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 liberating, and also it's invigorating. And that's where we are t- now. It's it's the fun stuff now. And Match is going to do great. They got a great board. I'm lucky enough to serve uh, 
on it. Uh, they got a great board. They got a great management team. They got a great business. Um, and uh, now our shareholders can enjoy the, uh, the upside of match and they can enjoy the upside of IAC. Glenn, we, uh, we want to ask you about the IPO market. Uh, clearly, the number of IPOs has continued to shrink over the last decade, over the last two decades. And uh, there's been uh, this recent flurry of activity, uh, a good number of IPOs uh, this fall, unlike uh, uh, any of the recent years. Uh, what does it mean? Is it something that will that'll be lasting? Will we see a future growth of IPOs as we go forward now? What What is your take? Yeah, you have, I think you have two macro phenomenon that are colliding here. Uh, one is not only IPOs have shrunk, but the amount of public companies have shrunk over time through, of course, uh, M&A, through take privates, uh, and through, of course, the lack of uh, the lack of, uh, of, of, of IPOs. So we've had supply has been decreased somewhat dramatically, uh, and demand has been increased because we have we have a lot of liquidity in the system. Obviously, you're aware of what the Fed um, Fed's done a great job in response to uh, to the, the pandemic to try and lift the economy uh, and lift all boats. But you know they've 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 put a significant amount of liquidity. The U.S. Uh, G uh, gross domestic product, I believe, is about twenty trillion dollars uh, a year. If you take the Fed stimulus plus uh, the stimulus from Congress, I believe that adds up to like six to eight trillion dollars. So basically, we've had uh, almost fifty percent of G uh, of GDP being thrown at this economy and thrown uh, at at the market. So we have this amazing amount of liquidity. Uh, and then therefore demand for securities. At the same time, the supply of securities has been decreased. So I think that's a little bit of the macro what's going on. What the micro that's going on is, of course, there's COVID winners and there's COVID losers. So if you have all this capital that wants to go into the market and wants to own risk, uh, risk assets. Now, the other thing that's going on, of course, is the interest rates are next to nothing. The 10 years at less than 1%. So you know, if you want to have risk, if you want to invest risk assets, you can't buy a 10 year bond at 1%, you don't get any return. So you've seen a lot of push into the equity market. So now let's go again, a little deeper and say, if you're going to invest in the equity market, you want to invest in COVID winners, not COVID losers. Now, we, of course, uh, invested in MGM, which is being impacted by COVID. Uh, and we think that gave us a unique opportunity to invest uh, uh at a uh, at a depressed uh, price, but most people are wanting to invest in the COVID winners. So a lot of demand for securities, a limited supply of securities. Price is the lever that clears that market. You do have some uh, cash, <laughs> uh, and uh, one would wonder whether it's likely that we'll see a uh, maybe an acquisition uh, in the next uh, before the end of the year. Uh, we just announced one, I think. Uh, today or yesterday morning, it was a small one uh, for our publishing business, uh, Dot Dash. Um, between, the, between now and the end of the year, boy, I hope so. Uh, we, uh, we have an active M&A group um, and we're looking at a lot of different things. Um, you know, we got to find something that's right for us and then we got to find a price that, that makes sense. To your point earlier, the public market uh, 
uh, and to the discussion we just had, you know, the public market for a lot of assets uh, is not terribly cheap. So we got to think carefully uh, about that uh, because obviously an acquisition needs to make sense. We won't, you know, we don't have the money burning a hole in our pocket and we will be, we will be patient as, uh, as needed. But yes, we, we, we hope so. We're, we're looking uh, as we speak. When we come back, I ask Glenn Schiffman how, as IAC's CFO, he stays informed daily on the performance of each of IAC's individual businesses. After this. Technology adoption, business partnership, strategic direction, resource optimization, and honestly, scalability, right? We are past the point in business of throwing people to solve problems like let's take a five second pause and r.i.p to that business strategy right <laughs> you can't just throw people to solve problems anymore hi i'm rowan Tonkin, your host at being planful you just heard from chris ortega a recent guest on the show if you want to hear from guests like chris talking about today's trends for tomorrow's fbna leaders you can subscribe at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcast. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. I've been looking forward to asking you for your management approach. Unlike uh, perhaps uh, most of uh, our CFO guests who are responsible in part for the performance of one business, you have lines of sight into multiple businesses, as we've discussed. And, of course, you have CFOs. Uh, who are part of the management teams of each of the individual businesses. But how do you go about managing your lines of sight into those businesses? Do you have a dashboard that you monitor and it, it features uh, you know, performance metrics of the different businesses? Or do you have management meetings each week with, with the different business CFOs? How, give, give us a sense of how you go about managing this. Yeah, look, there, there, there's a lot. You, you go, you go to where you're needed and what businesses need you uh, need you the most. Look, we we have daily P and Ls, of course. We have weekly P and Ls that that I uh, I I I lock. Uh, you know, I obviously uh, lock my eyes on and and focus on. I guess the one thing that I think is what I do that I don't know if this is an aha moment, but you know, we have quarterly earnings, as you know, um, and I ridiculously over prepare for those quarterly earnings. And it's got to the point where um, I don't necessarily need to prepare for the hour, you know, Q&A session with analysts, nor the conversations with, with, with shareholders. Um, so, but I, but I, but I do, but what I'm really doing uh, 
in that is I'm immersing myself in these businesses uh, pretty intensely. You know, the two weekends before earnings, it's I probably work Saturday and Sunday all day. Um, and yes, of course, it's to prepare for earnings, but more importantly, it's to really dive into these businesses and what's going on. And the most important thing about that is it sets up my priorities for the next couple months. So I said, hmm, in this business, there's a there's an issue. I'm seeing an issue here. I want to dig deep in that. It, that. So it's those two weekends, you know, four uh, four times uh, a year where I just lock myself in the office, and it's and it's my way of level setting. Do I really understand what's going on? Or and because you have the backdrop of earnings, everyone takes your call in ten seconds and will produce analysis for you. So I use kind of the leverage of the earnings and talking to shareholders to really try and get ahead and plan my next three months. And that, and then, you know, after my earnings calls, you know, everyone, on my team, like, you know, uh, probably, you know, is, uh, is, uh, braces themselves for the, the 10 or 15 or 20 calls that I, that I send them say, Hey, here's what we got to do. Here's what we got to look at. Here's what we got to probe on. Here's this, here's that, here's the other. So it's my time to call time out and totally reset. Excellent. Great, great detail there, Glenn. Thank you uh, for the time. Thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Jack, appreciate the time as well. Take care. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.